back to InfoTrack. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. It's common knowledge that chemicals are used to treat the water supply to make it safe to drink. But how safe are the chemicals? With more, here's InfoTrack's Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Drinking water goes through treatment processes using chemicals to make sure the water is disinfected and safe to drink. A researcher says some of these chemicals can lead byproducts to form that he describes as toxic and unregulated. But he's developed an updated method to assess the quality of drinking water that could result in cleaner, safer taps. Joining us now is that researcher, Professor Karsten Prasa of Johns Hopkins University Bloomberg School of Public Health. Professor, before we discuss your proposed method, let's hit the nail on the head. I assume you're not telling people to stop drinking chlorinated water, is that right? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's definitely correct, yeah. My goal is to really make people aware of the issues that if we chlorinate our, our water, we're making it safe with regard to pathogens like bacteria that are present in the water, but there might be some unintended consequences that we also have to consider. How many of these byproducts have been identified? We're talking at this point about more than 700 of these byproducts that have been identified by researchers all over the world. So it's a relatively large number. But just to be clear, in any one glass of drinking water, how many byproducts might we expect? That's honestly a very difficult question to answer. It can be very few, and depending on the water source, it could potentially be several hundreds, potentially. But again, that really depends on the source water that is used for the production of the drinking water. And among the disinfection byproducts, how many of these compounds are currently regulated in drinking water, at least in the United States? Right now we're talking about 11 disinfection byproducts in total. So these are things like trihalomethanes or haloacetic acids, as well as bromate and chloride that are regulated. So yeah, a very small number considering the total number of compounds that have been identified. And when you say toxic byproduct, what does toxic mean in this context? A lot of these compounds are potentially carcinogenic. So researchers have shown that these compounds can lead to cancer. These approaches or the tests are typically performed in cells or sometimes in animal models. So obviously we can't do studies on humans, but based on these cell and animal models, we know that several of these compounds are potentially toxic. So the big question becomes whether there's enough toxic material in drinking water that we should be concerned, or is the concentration too low for that? Well, that's a difficult question to answer. The problem with a lot of these compounds is, especially with compounds that might lead, for example, to cancer, is that already very, very low concentrations can potentially lead to these toxic effects. So what I would propose or what I would advertise for is that we basically have to rethink chlorination, for example, in our water. Because other countries, for example, so I'm from Germany, Germany uses chlorination to a much lower extent. The Netherlands, as an example, they are basically not using chlorination at all. And the reason for their decision to do this, which was already done back in the 80s, is that they realized that if they chlorinate their water and they do these toxicity tests, that the water is toxic. So in Europe, a lot of countries are following this precautionary principle where basically they are trying to reduce the risk as much as possible, and they are using other disinfectants. We're visiting with Professor Karsten Prasa of Johns Hopkins University Bloomberg School of Public Health regarding methods of disinfecting drinking water. 
Professor, briefly and in layman's terms, explain how chemicals used to disinfect water can cause byproducts to form. When you think, for example, about chlorine, chlorine is an oxidant, and the same way it reacts with microorganisms like pathogens to destroy those, chlorine also reacts with organic material that is present in the water. And the organic material that's present in the water, these can be byproducts that are, for example, in the water because of bacterial processes in soils or in groundwater. And they can also be anthropogenic sources, so man-made sources. So when we think, for example, about chemicals that get into the environment, like pesticides or pharmaceuticals, they then reach our groundwater. And if the groundwater or the surface water is used for drinking water production, these compounds react with chlorine and lead to these byproducts. Currently, when experts evaluate chemicals in drinking water, you mentioned that they might test them on animals, which takes a lot of time, is pretty expensive. How does your method for assessing drinking water work? I'm not saying my method that I'm proposing is replacing these, but what I think the advantage of my method is that it allows for prioritization, at least of some of these chemicals. So the method I'm proposing is specifically addressing the presence of what is so-called electrophiles. And these are, from what we know today, the largest class of toxicants that is known to mankind, so to say. So it's a large class. And based on the existing knowledge of disinfection byproducts that are formed in drinking water, a lot of these disinfection byproducts fall under the category of electrophiles. So what this method does is it basically assesses the mixture so the animal studies that you mentioned, typically these are only done with individual chemicals that have been well characterized. But I mentioned the 700 different byproducts that are known so far, but we also know that these only contribute probably to a, maybe 50% of all the compounds that are in there or that are formed during chlorination. So we still have a lack of understanding of what is actually forming in these processes. And the approach that I'm proposing is basically, or could potentially allow us to prioritize and identify the chemicals that might be of highest concern and for which then we would need additional or more in-depth assessments. So I'm not saying the method replaces what we have, but I'm saying it might actually streamline what we can do because when you think about these 700 byproducts, it would take a very long time to assess those, a lot of money, and again, because these are based on animal models, I think there's also an ethical consideration that we have to think about. And it sounds as though your technique can identify the concerning materials faster than the older methods. Is that true? Yes. At least it can be used for a screening to identify the potential, the most relevant ones. Yeah. So because, again, these animal models or these animal experiments take a very long time. Another aspect that I want to mention, I mean, in toxicology, people are more and more going away from these animal models and think about cell lines. And that's also something that's done now with water to assess water quality. One issue there is that we are facing is that the water is typically extracted or it's concentrated. So you basically extract all the contaminants that are in the water into a smaller volume and then you test the smaller volume. The problem is that during this extraction, you might actually lose a significant amount of these compounds. And then you obviously wouldn't consider them when you do the toxicity testing afterwards. And there are, through this novel approach that I'm proposing, there are some ways of kind of circumventing this and testing basically the water directly, which could be another added benefit to the existing strategies that we have. 
The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports that chlorine is the most widely used chemical for water disinfection in the United States. And as you pointed out, Professor, other countries, particularly in Europe, use these alternative methods such as ozone or UV light. Do you have an opinion as to whether the U.S. should use these alternatives or others? My opinion is that it should be at least assessed because of the knowledge that we have and the hundreds of studies on disinfection byproducts, we should certainly assess under what circumstances we should use chlorine and under what circumstances we could use other disinfection methods. And it is important to point out that also these alternative disinfection methods might lead to some disinfection byproducts. So they're not necessarily free of problems, but it would, in my opinion, important to really think about Well, first of all, when is it necessary? Are there alternative approaches? And then really, how can we evaluate those? Professor Karsten Prasa of Johns Hopkins University, Bloomberg School of Public Health. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks.